How are you guys doing today? Nice, beautiful day. I was talking to someone earlier, I think it was Janine, and she asked what I was doing. I said, it's a beautiful day. I'm always in a good mood when it's sunny. I think I have sad, seasonal affective grumpy disorder. Uh, so I love the sun. It makes me very happy. Hey, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. I'll try to only say that once today. I get made fun of because apparently I say that all the time. But you might forget my name. So today I have a question for you. I got a prop. What are these? Oh, man, everybody was excited. And when I asked how you are, I didn't hear that much excitement. Yeah, jumper cables. What do we use these for? <laughs> so here's what we've learned. Everyone knows what this is. No one knows what it does. What, what do we do with these? Jumps cars. So they just leap over cars. Yeah, so, yeah, what we do is there's two ends here. I'm not going to undo it because Zach let me use these, and it's just so nicely rolled up. But you take one end, right, and you hook it to what? A good battery. You take the other end and you hook it to what? A dead battery. Or at least a battery that's so low that it can't do its job, right? I'm going to hold it for a second so you really pay attention. Who here has ever jumped someone else's car? Woohoo, everyone mostly. Who here has had their car jump started by someone else? Has anyone been on the side of the road, not had jumper cables, and had to wait for someone to come? Yeah, that's a terrible feeling, isn't it? When you're on the road... Maybe it's the middle of the night. It's something as simple as a jump, but you got no one there to jump it, right? That's a terrible feeling. I've been there. When, you guys already said when do we use this, and I already told you how we, we use this, right? One healthy battery, one dead battery. And once that, I'm just going to chuck it. Let's just get over this. All right. Once, once we jump the car, what really happens here is, are we completely refilling that battery when we jump it? No. What we're doing is we're giving this, battery enough of a boost to be able to recharge itself right to get the engine going so that it can recharge itself it has the capability the battery to be recharged right <clears throat> somebody's like Todd batteries don't recharge themselves the engine recharges the battery okay whatever we're not we're not mechanic shop here whatever you get my point <clears throat> you can always hear he didn't know what he's talking about no I don't <clears throat> but I know what a battery is so it has the capability to recharge itself but it needs that initial juice that borrowed energy from the other vehicle because its energy has gotten so low that it can't do its job. It can't start the engine. It can't go anywhere. So the healthy battery helps jumpstart the struggling battery. We all agree on that? Yeah. Can you jumpstart <laughs> some MacGyver in here? I always think this. Literally, you guys make me paranoid. But overall, can you jumpstart a battery with a completely dead battery? No, if you did, you just carry an old battery with you, right? We have to have the car. You don't use a dead battery to charge a dead battery typically, right? You don't do that. Why? Because it has no juice. It doesn't have the energy to jumpstart something else. Can you jumpstart a battery with a rock? Again, someone's like, science says if I use an ion. I don't know, but typically no. We don't carry rocks, hook them to the rock, jumpstart a battery. Why? Because a rock doesn't have the same energy inside of it, which means it doesn't have the capability to charge the battery. You have to have a like battery. You have to have something that has the same type of energy to charge something that uses that type of energy. We, we all together, right? For the most part? Good. I've lost the mechanics. That's okay. Stay with me. Listen, life can be draining on our batteries. It can drain us. Life can be filled with anxieties 
and with hurts and struggles. And when we're followers of Jesus, here's a newsflash for you, although I know you already know this. That becomes compounded because not only are you still dealing with the same struggles in life, but you're trying not to do what the rest of the world does to refill its battery. You're not going to the same places that the world tells you to go. The world tells you to go to that bottle. The world tells you to go to that medication. The world tells you to go to that warm body. The world tells you to go to work. The world tells you to make more money. The world tells you to X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And we are told what? Those things all in themselves may not be terrible, but they cannot bring you life. And so then it gets even more stressful because the current is going one way and it's anxiety and it's worrisome and everyone wants an answer. But all of the popular opinions are telling you to go somewhere that Jesus is telling you not to go. That's even more draining. We see this in the Bible all the time. You know, most of the New Testament is the Apostle Paul or the early church leaders writing to new churches, writing to churches that were in the midst of pagan cultures, of cultures that were telling them to live one way, and Paul's constant call was, keep moving, keep following, don't quit. Why? Because it's easy to. It's easy to quit because your battery gets so low. You know, self-help books, some of the most the top-selling books in America. And I'm not against them, right? There, there's some good, tangible advice in there, but why is that? Because somebody's looking for something to jumpstart, to give them some juice. But just like a rock, a rock can't jumpstart a battery. The world can't jumpstart a Christian. It's hard to follow Jesus in a world that hates him. It's hard to follow and trust when things go wrong. It's hard not to be discouraged when everything around us seems so scary and big. And even with normal life, just a normal year, life can be draining. But then here comes 2020, right? And 2020 says, you thought you had it bad. Let me show you, right? And so now we have, it's been a tough year for everyone in here to some degree. Maybe you're handling better than others, but the reality is it's a weird year. Every time I go to a store, regardless of where you stand, okay, this isn't a political statement, i got to put a mask on. I'm reminded of how odd this year has become. It's odd. So we have new anxieties and new worries and new chaos that many of us have never experienced before. And then you add on to it your own personal things, right? Each one of you has something that's draining your battery. Sometimes it's literally lack of sleep. Without even knowing it, when we do this on and on and on with a low battery, right? eventually what happens is we wake up and we realize we don't have enough juice to get our engine started. We don't have enough juice to keep going. At least it feels that way. And that's when you, if you haven't been there, you know people that are there, that discouraging moment when the Christians around you are like, uh, what's the point? How many times do you hear that? What's the point? We can feel empty, discouraged, sad. We find ourselves taking our eyes off of Jesus and looking for different sources of life. All of a sudden, all the things the world's telling us to go to seem kind of appealing because this Jesus thing isn't working out. I still feel drained. So we look at the distractions. We go other places to fill our batteries. We forget truth. 
But it's like jump-starting a battery from a rock. It does not work. See, sometimes in life you need a jump-start. And just like a battery needs to be charged from another battery, something that has the same juice, right? Got that juice. We need each other. Because in order for you, stay with me, this is good, ready? In order for something holy and Holy Spirit-filled to be jump-started, it has to be jump-started by something holy and Holy Spirit-filled. You see what I'm saying? We need each other. God expects, you ready for this? He doesn't suggest. God expects us to jumpstart each other. Expects it. We need to be there for each other. And when the road gets dark, when the load gets heavy, when our battery gets low, for our brothers and sisters, we are called to be the jumper cables. We are not the source. But we're called to be the jumper cables that help jumpstart them and get them recharged and, forgive me for the simple analogy, back on the road. Back on, right, racing, the race. Paul calls it that all the time. Finish the race. Don't grow weary in doing good. Again, I love God because he's so honest with us. He wouldn't tell us that if clearly we aren't going to be times that we're weary and tired and exhausted and weighed down and all of the other things. So I want to read a section of scripture and I want to talk about one I want to remind you, in case you don't take me at my word, that God's word says there is an expectation for you to jumpstart your brothers and sisters. Not when they're broken down on the side of the road. Sometimes you look at them and see they need it before they're broken down. And then we'll talk about how to do that. How do we take what God tells us to do, he's very specific here, and apply it. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to look at chapter 5, verses 9 through 15. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 through 15. Now, who wrote this book, you think? i got to give you context. Paul, nice, good guess. Anytime there's a guess, just guess Paul, usually, unless it's named. <laughs> well, except for Timothy. Anyway, <clears throat> Titus, all those. <clears throat> so really not at all. Paul is writing to a church in Thessalonica, and this church, what we can gather from it, was very small. It was a very small church, and Paul had had to leave very soon after starting it because people were kind of hunting him. This is beautiful. He loved them enough to know that his very presence was going to make it worse for them. So he left for a while, but didn't leave them. So he wrote this letter to them when they are in the midst of, they're starting to doubt. Their batteries are real low. They're starting to say, is this worth it? And so this is what Paul tells us. Starting in verse 9, for God, stay with me, we'll connect it. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, asleep in this context is dead. Just so you know, that's what he's saying. Whether awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Expectation. Now we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we exhort you, brothers, we call you, warn those who are irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone. I like, I, wanna, I think this is great. Right before, 
give you, I'm going to skip the end. Clearly, we're going to talk about how Paul's essentially right. He's telling them to jumpstart each other, keep each other going. But before he does that, he says, in order to do that, you've got to remember something really important. So you in the room right now today, I'm going to call you, I'm going to exhort you to what? To jumpstart people. But in order to do that, you have to keep something in mind or you're, you're going you're to get discouraged. What do you need to keep in mind? That God didn't appoint you to wrath. But he has salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that right now, whether you're alive or dead, no matter what comes in life, no matter the the weight and the fears and the heaviness, all of those things that, guess what, we're going to live together with him again. So what's the point of that? The point is a reminder. He's about to call us to help each other. He says what? You are saved, you win, and you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Guys, you've already won. You've already won. Now, some of you out there don't feel like winners today. I know you don't because I can see your grumpy faces. But you are. You're winners. You've already won. And so Paul is saying, remember the truth, not just to encourage and comfort you, but so that you can what? Now we'll go on. What does he say? He says, so knowing that, encourage one another and build up. So before I tell you how, a couple things. Jump-starting, encouraging, building up. These are actions. These are not good thoughts. Listen, there are times that Paul, in fact, in this very chapter later on, Paul's going to tell us to pray all the time. We should always, that's already an assumption. But sometimes in Christianity, we can go, I'm going to encourage you. I'm praying for you. And then we walk away. That's not jump starting. That's not jump-starting. That is important. You should already be doing that. But that's not the only thing to do. Don't lie to yourself. It's an action. Encourage one another. Build up. Ooh, I like that. Build. Right? Hammer, nails, work, sweat. Takes work. Build up. It's an action. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. Some of you are like, yeah, I know, Todd. I got the Holy Spirit in me. Sometimes I want to like chuck a podium, right? Because I feel like you don't get it. Because if you did, you wouldn't just shout out there and go, mm, I roll my eyes. I already know I got that Holy Spirit. Apparently, you don't. The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. That is incredible. You are empowered. Moses would have looked at you and said, I want what you got. So you're empowered to do it. Sometimes we're like, I just don't have it in me today to jumpstart anyone. I don't have it in me to encourage. Oh, Right? Moses is in the past holding back the Red Sea. Right? God's doing it, but why? Right? Jesus is raising from the dead, and we're like, same juice, but it's just not enough for me to encourage. You can raise a man from the dead, heal a leper, cannot do anything else. The other thing is, before we go on to specifically how, it's an expectation of followers of Jesus. You call yourself a Christian, it's an expectation. It's not an option. If I feel up to it today and I've had enough me time, I will go out and I'll jumpstart some people. No, we would all be in trouble if Jesus was focused on his me time. Because in the garden, right, he didn't want to do it. He needed some more me time. But what did he say? At the very end, he said, but the hour has come. It's expected. Sometimes I say things like that and it probably irritates some of you because maybe you're meantime people. And listen, I'm all about it. I talked about this last week. Go in the morning. Don't take time from when you can do it for other people. But listen, the reason I tell you that is because you don't recognize your power. 
you walk around weak instead of walking in authority. You walk around weak, I can't do it. Yes, you can. God does not tell you to do something that you do not have the capability to do. Now you understand the meaning of the verse that we throw around, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not about a football game or a basketball game or all the places you hear it all the time. It's about living this life. You have the power to do so. It's never on God's end. It's never God not coming through. His battery is always full. It's expected. How do I know that? Well, I know it because he's going to tell us. And two, he says, as you have already doing. I like that. Paul's like, listen, keep encouraging. I know you already are. Right? It's so important. I, I'm going to stay on this for a second because some of you guys, you get we. I'm with you. I want to say we. We get caught up in this concept of the most important person in our existence is me. The world wants you to believe that. Do you know that? I was going, you know how Facebook, I hate Facebook, I really do, I'm going to say it every time, but it's useful. And you know how it targets you for ads, right? Well, because, I don't know, it's because I'm, you know, I have a, I'm connected to our church page or whatever, I sometimes get the self-help things along with the church ones. And the other day, I, I can't tell how many times I noticed them that said, unlock your hidden power and potential. Make you rise to the occasion. You, 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 you are made for more. You are made to be everything. You know, that kind of mindset. And I'm sitting here going, boy, they are building quite an altar to myself. Right? And so what happens is that trickles into our church. And it becomes, it literally becomes a thing that says, I, I, you, I'm about to upset some people. That's okay. I do that. I actually do not like this phrase. So if you say this, please know I'm not picking on it. I'm not thinking of you. I've, I'm sure I've said it. But I, it stuck with me for a long time, and I finally said, all right, Lord, I'm not going to fight it. This is a conscious thing for me. You can't fill from an empty cup. Let me tell you why I don't like it. Now, stay, I get the concept. The concept's fine. I get it. But it also is used many times to justify selfishness. Because what you're implying is, is that the Father can't keep refilling. He can't keep refilling. The pitcher has plenty of water. So if your cup doesn't have enough, it's not because you don't have access to water. You see what I'm saying? So you're absolutely right. What you really mean is, listen, I maybe need a jump start. Right? I need a jump start. But don't listen to that lie that says, I have to be filled first. Because what that subtly does is it changes the two greatest commandments. It doesn't become the Lord your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love others as yourself. It says, love the, it becomes love your Lord <laughs> with your heart, soul, and mind, love yourself, and then when you've got enough water in your cup, love others. We've got to be real about what he's saying. He doesn't change. Listen to me. You cannot change him. He, you have to change. I know that is hard. Sometimes I, you know, talk, people say, Todd, you just, you're too harsh in your preaching. I'm like, dude, it just says it. Dude, I hang out with a lot of young 20-year-old guys, right? This is the reality. Now, here's the hope. The hope is not that the standard becomes lower. The hope is that we are empowered to meet it. That's the hope. The hope is that God said, I'm not going to leave you alone as orphans, but I will send a counselor to you. He will empower you. He will tell you what to do. That's the Holy Spirit. Remember what I said at the beginning? You already got it. All right, so using this verse as our kind of our guide, I want to talk about eight ways with a bonus ninth. Isn't that pretty cool? Ninth, that's a bonus. Eight ways to jumpstart those around you. See, doesn't that sound like those self-help people? 
eight ways to improve your whatever. Here we go. How to jumpstart those around you. Number one, encourage them. Encourage them. What does it mean to encourage someone? It means when they feel like they can't, you remind them that they can. When they can't see in front of their face because the world seems dark, you remind them that they have light. When everything seems hopeless, you remind them that there's hope. When they feel discouraged, you remind them of the truth. This world is desperate for encouragement. You in this room today are desperate for encouragement. And if you say you're not, it's because you've become so hardened because you never get it. I, get, I understand. Right? If I'm honest, my flesh always says, I don't need anybody. That's the truth. I don't need you. And then I find out I do, right, at the end of it. <sighs> Encourage them. Remind them of truth. When they're feeling tired, remind them that, that you know, they can make it. Encouragement's the opposite of discouragement. It's trying to lift their mood by reminding them of the truth. Not with false promises, with the promise of God. Sometimes the simplest way to encourage someone is to say, you are loved. You're not alone. Isn't that one of the most powerful phrases in the world is you're not alone? Yeah. So, encourage them. Before I go on, don't wait until someone comes up to you and says, please encourage me. People aren't going to do that. Okay, I'm not going to do that. But I need it, right? You've got to see the people and you've got to look. Stop, take the blinders. You're not horses. You know, understand what I'm saying? They put blinders on horses. Why? So they can't see left or right. They can just see the job ahead and do it. We do that sometimes. We put blinders on because I just got to go to work and get through this crappy day so I can go home, eat supper, go to bed. Take those off and look around you and see what other workers might need to be encouraged. And then go do that. You guys know I have a heart. If you're a long-term remnant person, I have a heart for fast food workers and gas station clerks. I don't know why. It's because they deal with so much stinky stuff. They deal with so much, man. Have you ever been behind and see how people talk to them? Listen, I worked at McDonald's. I ain't your slave. Okay? I'm sorry your pickle wasn't on there. Do you need to throw your hamburger at me? Does that get your hamburger remade faster? What I'm saying is like even in those, that's such a small way to encourage someone. Hey, you're doing a great job. Keep going. Sometimes it's, you know, hey, someone's a jerk and they leave and you say, hey, I'm sorry that happened to you. That's encouragement. Number two. Oh, wait, I want to give you the opposite. I've decided that's not going to be on the list. This is a last minute edition. I want to give you a hindrance to each of these. You know what stops you from encouraging people? Your pride. What if they don't take my encouragement? I've tried, I can't tell. I try to encourage people and they don't accept it. Come on. Then you weren't trying to encourage. You were trying to get a feather in your cap. Sometimes people don't take encouragement. They just don't. But that doesn't mean that you stop giving it. Because sometimes I'm one of them. There have been times that people have said encouraging things to me and I'm in a jerky mood or I'm discouraged because that, you know, fight or flight. I'm a bit of, and I go home and drive in the car and I'm like, that was so nice. I feel a lot better, right? Your pride stops you. Well, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look dumb. It's weak to be loving. Men, we buy into that before you say it. 
Don't think I don't know how you're like, hey, schmoochie to your wife, but your brother, you're like, hey, suck it up, man. Sometimes that's encouragement too, right? Pride. Number two, build them up. Remind them of who they are. You are a Christian. You are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a co-heir with Christ. You are pushing them to be what God has created them to be. Don't let anyone ever forget in this room, no one should ever forget that they are royalty. Todd, that's pride. No, it's not. That's facts. My father is a king and so is yours. And that makes you important by the very nature of who he is. Are you reminding them of that? You know, I use this all the time because I'm a nerd and I love to read and stuff like that. But, you know, in the storybooks, you don't have the princess down slumming at the docks. You get what I'm saying? You don't have the prince in, the, in her nice dress down slumming in the docks. No. She, why? Because she was made for more. You remind your brothers and sisters that they were made for more because sometimes the world wants to make you feel like we're all this. No, no, no. You are, not of, you are in the world, but you're not of it. You are more than that. Build them up when the world tears them down, when they're torn down, because that's what happens. Listen, the enemy wants to tear you down. He wants you to believe that you are nothing. Because if you are nothing, then you will stop following. Look for opportunities to build people up. I don't think I need to say it. You guys know what that is. It looks different in different situations. Sometimes it's that, it's that uh, you know, have you ever taken the time at the end of a night when you're, a waitress is serving you to say, hey, you did a great job today. I'm just talking about in the world. I'm not even talking about in church or maybe in church. Do you ever go up to, um, I don't know, the meal people and say, well, that was a great meal. Thank you. Great job. Hmm? Do you ever go up to anyone and just take a second to say you did great or you see someone torn down and you know someone's going through something tough and you go over there and you just say, hey, you're doing great or remind them of who they are. Sometimes building up, it also involves, and Paul talks about this up above when he says, warn those who are irresponsible. Sometimes it's going, hey, you are better than that. That's one of my favorite phrases with the guys I'm close to, isn't it? I said, you're better than that. Because they are. And that can be far more powerful than going over there and ripping them apart for their mistakes. Remind them of who they are. Build them up. What's the opposite of that? What hinders our ability to build people up? It's your hatred. I'm serious. Hatred. I don't want to build them up because they don't build me up. So I'm going to hold on to that. Well, the problem is that cycle never ends. And, and, and you can say, well, I don't hate the people, don't you? If you have the opportunity to build someone up and you choose to tear them down, what is that? If not, hate. Number three, ways to jumpstart those around you. Give them recognition. I like to put it this way, see people. Guys, we live in a world, like, I think of New York City. I haven't been there, but I see it, you know. <laughs> people walk around, and, they, and they're, they don't even notice other humans. We do that in our life, too. Stop and see people. Paul talks about this up here, right? Give recognition. He talks about leaders, we'll get to that. To those who labor, I think that applies to everyone. See what they're doing, see them. I see you, I am thankful you are here. I'm appreciative of the fact that I get to see, guys, right now I want to take a second and tell you that I appreciate you guys being in this church today. Did you know that? I really do. I may not even get to talk to you, but I see your faces. I'm thankful that you are here. I see you. 
Let people know that because one of the biggest lies we often struggle with is what? We're invisible. Nobody sees me. Nobody cares. It makes a world of difference to give recognition to someone, to see someone. I'm going to give you more tangible examples. You, a guy shows up and he's dressed up and he normally isn't. Maybe. Hey, man, you look good today, right? Don't do that to another man's wife necessarily. You can say you look nice, but you know what I mean. Hey, you're doing a great job there. Thank you. I see that you went above and beyond. I see that you did this. Thank you. See them. Give them recognition. We do not, we have this thing. I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to think of, I know for a fact everyone in this room has done this because you're humans. There's been a time in your life when you didn't want to give someone else recognition because, why? Because something inside of you is like, well, I don't want them thinking they're better than me. That's truth. People do that. We've all done it. Every one of you have done it. Maybe you even fought it off. Awesome, the times you win, but you do. Which leads me to what hinders that. It's our arrogance. It's our desire to never have anyone elevated above us. I don't want to build, you know, we even have a joking saying about it, right? I don't want to give them, make their head too big. Like it's your job to, to make sure they don't stay, you know, they got to stay you know, built up but not arrogant. It's my job to tear them down when they get too high. I don't want to pump them up too much. I gave Zach a compliment three months ago. I cannot give him another one. Arrogance, guys. It is arrogance. Seek your, search your own heart. Think about it. The next time that you get that twinge, you're like, oh, that's really cool. I don't want to say it. Catch it right there. And then you know what you do? You kill it. You know how you kill it? You do it. You give them the recognition anyway. It doesn't tear you down to lift someone else up. And if it is, then you're a very insecure person. And you live your life based on what other people think anyway. And that's a dead end, trust me. Number four, ways to jumpstart those around you. Seek peace with them. By the way, this is all found in that scripture I read. Do I need to go back? You guys trust me? Right? I can read it to you if you'd like. Be at peace among yourselves. There we go. Verse 13. I put in parentheses resolve. Because, listen, if you want to encourage the people around you, be at peace with them. One of the most discouraging, one of the things that can tear us down, one of the things that can drain our batteries is that anxiety of knowing that we have issues unresolved with people. It is. It's a fact. Whether it's family, friends, within the church, right? We're talking about the church specifically, but it spreads out even. The church with a capital C. When we do that, it, that's stressful, right? Raise your hand if you've ever been stressed by thinking someone's upset at you or having a fight. That's everybody. That's just human nature. So some of you, you know what you do? I've heard this. In the last month, I've heard this. Uh, I, am, um, I am not sinning, Todd, because I am at peace with you. I've ignored you for six days. And because I've ignored you, I am at peace with you because we have not fought. I'm like, no, that, I'm not at peace at all because I watch you go and run away. So I put in parentheses, resolve it. Seek peace with them, guys. Some of you in this room think seek peace is just you didn't punch somebody in the mouth. That's not seeking peace. It's not. If so, I'm very peaceful, right? No, it's not that. It isn't. Seeking peace is an action. Be at peace. It takes work. So as hard as it is, and sometimes it is, got to swallow your pride, and sometimes you got to go talk to someone, and you know, sometimes... They don't even respond well, but you do your part and you seek to resolve the issue. I don't need to tell you this because I've, I've said it several times, but Jesus takes this very seriously. I brought it up last week. If you're at the altar giving your gift of reconciliation between you and God, 
in the Jewish culture, and you have an issue with your brother, don't even, don't even bring that to me, pretty much is what God says. Leave it there. Go make it right with your brother or sister, and then come back and give your sacrifice. What if you took it that seriously? Because that's how serious Jesus took it. And some of you in this room right now, you're not at peace with people, and it's because of your own stubbornness that doesn't please him. You're expected to resolve it. Now, the reality is, you can't always make peace happen, right? It takes two to tangle, but you can do your part. And also, in doing that, even somebody that you don't want to be at peace with, you're following God and what? Jump-starting them. Because sometimes, more often than not, people do want peace. So maybe it's going to that person who's drained and hurting. Maybe it's your best friend you even talked to, your spouse that you've been stonewalling for six months or however long, your friends, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your coworker. It's going and breaking the ice and seeking peace and resolving it. Now I'm going to give you, why I said it like that, I'm going to give you a, a different, there's many things that hinder it. I told you one is stubbornness, seeking peace, but you ready for one that's going to surprise you? Passive aggressiveness. Passive aggressiveness hinders peace. Some of y'all in this room today are very passive-aggressive people. You just are. And you walk around with your nose held high like you're above everyone, and I'm, not, I'm at peace with everyone, but really you're starting fires everywhere you go. And because you keep your voice very quiet and gentle, you don't think anyone notices. Well, they do. And they probably don't like you. I'm serious, right? And that stops you from seeking peace because you go, I'm at peace. <laughs> and then you coldly tear them down. I don't know why I did a feminine voice. Guys do it too, but you get my point. Passive aggressiveness. Don't be passive aggressive. That doesn't resolve anything. Be upfront, go up, and, and handle it. Seek peace, even when it's scary. Number five, comfort them. In, in verse 14, Paul says, comfort the discouraged. There's discouraged again. So what happens if you can't necessarily encourage them? Maybe their situation is a very discouraging situation. You can't really change the situation. So then Paul tells us through the Holy Spirit, comfort them. What is comforting someone? It looks different. Comforting someone sometimes means sitting with them. It means sending a message that just says, I'm thinking about you. Sometimes it's just saying, that's got to be really tough. You're not alone. I love you. How can I help you? Is there anything I can do? On and on and on. Comfort them. Comfort the discouraged. Make the situation as comfortable as you can. You can't change their situation. Is there something you can do to make it more bearable? To comfort them? If someone's going through a divorce, maybe you can't stop the divorce, but can you comfort them? Can you talk to them? Can you make sure that they've thought through and prayed about it? Can you sit with them? Can you, you know, not take it for granted that on a Tuesday night at 9 o'clock, you're comfortable at home with your wife, family, and Coco, and maybe they're sitting alone crying and just picking up the phone and calling them and saying, hey, I, I just thought about you. Are you okay? Comfort the discouraged. What stops that? This is a simple one. Selfishness. It's pretty comfortable at 9 o'clock at night with your hot cocoa watching TV, right? Nobody wants to make that phone call. But that's selfish. 
Guys, I always come back for me personally, and, I, and this is the standard. I say, Jesus, I'm supposed to be like you. What would he do? You know, that WWJD when we were real little kids that got kind of, some of us, some of you weren't born. But the point is, uh, it, you know, it kind of got Christianized. It became Christianese, but it's a powerful statement. What would Jesus do? What would he do? Would he call? I think he would. Because countless times he stopped on, on his travels to help someone who was there in the moment and needed help. When what? Did he do it when it was comfortable for him? Did he do it when his cup was filled? His cup was always filled because he's going to the Father. But my point was, did he do it when he was, had enough sleep? No. I don't think Jesus slept a lot. You want to know the truth? I don't. I'm not telling you not to, but I don't think he did. Well, Todd, that's unrealistic. You're right. That is unrealistic. But it is not impossible because Jesus himself said, they came and said, that's impossible. And he said, all things are possible through the Father. Selfishness. Don't be selfish. Be willing to comfort people. Number six. This is a good one. Pretty. I like this. Paul says, verse 14, help the weak. Weak would be, you know, it could be anything. They can't. Do a certain task. I put in parentheses here, carry burdens. Are you helping people carry their burdens? What about my burdens, Todd? You've already messed up. God said he'll take care of you. The truth is, when you're so focused on making sure you take care of yourself, you're ready for a newsflash, you're really not trusting God. You're not. He will take care of you. Now, the beauty is, if everybody's doing what they should do, we're all comforting each other, loving each other. Nobody's lonely, all those things. Carry their burdens. Help is a funny thing. I think this is a tangible thing. If Corey is paying attention and he is carrying lumber, right? And I say to Corey, he's over there where he's at now, and he's carrying lumber, and I say, hey, Corey, good job. Get your shoulder under it. Really get your legs with it. Don't lift, don't lift with your back. You'll hurt yourself. I helped him. He's over there eight hours later still carrying the the, the uh, wood. No, that's ridiculous. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to get underneath it with him, and I'm going to help him shoulder that weight. Don't just tell someone how to fix a problem. Help them. Help them. The world needs more helpers and less bosses. So what hinders that? By the way, look for those opportunities. You know, sometimes I always say, I, I'm going to give up not saying people's names. I'll try not to say your name if I know people. But Ernie's a good example. That guy will die in the sun by himself, right? If I waited till Ernie asked me to help him, he would literally die. So, for instance, guys, you remember the shed. He was going to try to take that down by himself. All right, that took us an hour, 20 minutes, right? It took us an hour. It would have taken him who knows how long. The point is, that's not even teasing him. The point is we didn't wait in that moment for him to ask us. We went and helped him. Which, by the way, he'll never admit it, but it encouraged him. I promise you that. He's giving a thumbs up. That's a big deal from him, right? It jump-started him. People are so used to people not helping that they don't even ask. So let's look for the opportunity and go make it easier for them. What hinders that? Insecurity. Well, what if I can't do it? What if I can't do it? Sometimes you can't. I might come over there. And try to pick that thing up with Corey, and I just don't, I, you know, he's a bull. He can pick it up, I can't. But he's going to appreciate, maybe, <laughs> he's going to appreciate the fact, no, for real, he's going to appreciate the fact that I came, and I made the effort, right? 
He is, I promise you. It's, it, there is something to it. It's the thought that counts. I want to help you. But many times you sell yourself short. You let your insecurity stop you from action. Do it. By the way, that stops some of you from serving in your church. I can't tell you how many I've heard in this, in this room or come through the walls and say, I just, I'm afraid I can't do it. That old saying that becomes Christianese, but it's true. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. There's truth to that. He'll give you the strength to do it. He will help you. It takes your effort. Walk forward and do it. Quit selling yourself short. Number seven. Ooh, I got to move. Paul says in verse 14, that's a very full verse. He says, be patient with the people you like. Be patient with your family. Be patient with your children. Nope. Be patient with everyone. Be patient with your husband when he does what you tell him to. Be he- patient with your wife when she got your dinner ready, right? No, be patient with everyone. Be patient with him. I put in there, bear with. Sometimes being patient means understanding we're all on the journey. None of us are perfected yet. And it's being willing to deal with those rough edges. Bear with them. Be patient with people. Love is patient. Love is kind. The first thing that God says love is, is patient. Love is patient. In that famous chapter, not giving up on people, not walking away, not getting angry when they don't do it the way you want or the, at the speed you want or uh, being impatient with their imperfections because what that stops is it stops helping people change for the Lord and it starts making them try to please you. And anytime someone's trying to just please you, they're going to fail. Be patient with them and bear with them. What's a hindrance to this? Immaturity. Immature people are impatient. That one hurts, doesn't it? Immature people are impatient. How do I know that? Because all you got to do is walk back in a children's church area and see what happens. Give me my toy. Give it to me! Right? They don't, like, they're grab. Have you ever noticed kids are grab as they're, they don't give an opportunity. Give me my toy, please. Rip it away. There's no patience. That's what children do. As we grow and mature, we should be patient with people. Partially because we are aware of our own shortcomings and our own need for patience. And number eight, before the bonus round. Number eight is pursue good for one another and for all, as he says in verse 15. Don't repay, I like it, it says, see to it that no one repays evil to evil to anyone. You ever tell that to your friends? Hey man, that was really jerky to do to that person. Well, he was mean to me first. <sighs> Always pursue what's good for one another. Pursue what's good for all. Stop focusing on what's good for you. The number one hindrance, I believe, I'm confident to say this. This is Todd's book someday maybe. I think the number one hindrance to church growth and the church's mission is the inability to pursue good for all. If I don't want to be here, I don't come. I don't need it today, I don't come. I don't want to serve. I, you know, Todd's trying to tell me not to love my family. Why? Again, I do this every week if you're watching on Facebook. Why do you think that because I tell you to come to church, why do you accuse me of hating families? Just help me understand that. I don't know that Charlie has a birthday every Sunday. Every Sunday? At exactly the time of church? I'm just saying, like, I don't hate families. I think they're great. Please stop accusing me of that. Anyway, it's just a personal thing. Pursue good for all. I really think that if everyone would pursue what's good for the body, then we would start doing 
that crazy things would happen. What hinders that? Bitterness. It's one of the things that hinders that. Because what happens is you start to justify what's good for you. Well, Todd doesn't love families. That's one. I literally have this talk, right? With many people. It's not one person. I promise you, I have probably had this talk with 40 people. I'm not even kidding you. <sighs> you can tell it's very exhausting. But bitterness, then you start to look at all the little things that are wrong, right? Todd talks too long. He preaches too long. He's funny looking, well, you know. It smells funny in the sanctuary. It's too hot. It's too cold. The food's not good. Whatever else it is, bitterness. And then you stop pursuing good for all and you start focusing on yourself. Here's the one that's tough for me to say because it's going to look like I am, this is the bonus round. It's going to look like, it's awkward to say this because of my position, but it's the truth. Paul talks about it here. Ready? Go for it. Respect your leaders and love them. Now, Todd, why would you say that? Because you're leading somebody. Everybody's leading somebody. You want your kids to respect you? Show them what it is to respect someone in authority. Right? You want your employees to respect you? Show them what it is to respect someone else. You want someone, do that. Respect your leaders and love them. Look what Paul says. He says, now we ask brothers to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead in the Lord and admonish you. Admonish is a tough word. It means warn and call out and say, quit doing that silly stuff. And to regard them very highly in love not because they're good people, not because you like them, because of their work. This is, this is such a problem. Leaders need encouragement, guys. All the way from, uh, if you're a boss, you know this, right? Everybody comes to you and, and nobody encourages you many times. They need encouragement. Within the church, it's the same way. If they're leading a ministry, it does, it's not just me. It's somebody that's a ministry leader. It's somebody that's cooking. It's someone They are carrying weight for you so you don't have to. And instead of encouraging them and building them up, you want to point out all the ways you could have done it better, all the while not taking a step to do anything. We have lost that. We're Americans. I'm in charge of myself, blah, blah, blah. Well, God says it differently. Respect them. Not, what about, you guys heard me, listen, you don't have to like the messenger, but respect the message. You don't have to like the guy, but respect the role. And if you don't like it, go find a different church. But I promise you this, whether it's here or whether you're watching from somewhere else, you're going to have the same problem over and over until you understand that it's not a them issue, it's a you issue. So, so you're going to come play some music. And I want to ask you guys, well, I want to tell you some things and ask you questions. Listen, here's facts. Let me wrap it up. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have been empowered. You got the juice. You've been empowered. It enables us to overcome. We have the ability to overcome. However, our flesh hinders us sometimes, and it drags us down, and it makes us feel what? Like we're dying, right? We got a dead battery. We are called to encourage others and push them towards overcoming. Push them towards getting over that issue. Push them towards Jesus. Push them towards who they're supposed to be. Why? Why does God tell us to do that? Because if we don't, the world's going to try to fill the space with lies. If we're not reminding and encouraging people with truth, the world's going to try to encourage them with lies. Something can only be truly encouraged or jump-started by something that's filled with that same juice. The, per, the only people that can truly encourage a Christian is another Christian. I believe it. 
And yet that's often not the case, isn't it? That's why we, some of you in this room don't even like going to church. You know, you come because you're dutiful and you love God, but you don't like Christians. I get it. But the problem is maybe it's because your own hurts. I want to go to my friends. You know why sometimes you go to your friends and you spend time with your non-Christian friends? Because, well, they're going to let me do whatever I want. That's not going to jumpstart you when you hit empty. And also you're robbing those people in this church, in this building, in your church, in your community, those other believers in your life from being jumpstarted by you. We have to actively pursue encouragement. Listen to me. You have to look for opportunities to encourage. We have to push each other towards the finish line. Paul says finish the race. Sometimes we got to step down, pick our brother up, and help him finish, our sister. Remind each other that who we are when we fail, because when we fail, the world's going to tell us. Sometimes even the church says, oh, you must not be his. You are your sin. You are a sinner. The Bible tells us that we're saints. Reality. We have to actively seek to do this. Why? Because God expects it of his people. It's not optional. Some of you need to hear that. It's not optional. It's not meant to be just when we feel like it. It's it's something we should be pursuing. We see this example in Jesus. Guys, if, if you need someone to watch, to see, do it. Go read the Gospels. Grow up and be men and women of God and seek to encourage your brothers and sisters. Let me ask you something. How much of this past week did you seek to jumpstart somebody else? How many times? Every day? Because somebody in your life every day needs it. Or have you been too focused on yourself? Too focused on your own trials, your own struggles, your own weights, your own things? can't see someone else's need how many people have you driven by stranded on the side of the road because you got blinders on you got to get your stuff done right maybe you're in this room today and you're the other side and you're on the side of the road and nobody's jump started you in a long time I'm really sorry I am I'm sorry that I haven't seen you because there's probably many of you I've walked right by and I repent I want to do better Maybe you've been hurt so much by others that you've stopped even giving people an opportunity to jumpstart you and help you. You've quit. You've pulled away because it's safe there, isn't it? You'd rather, at least if you're on the side of the road, you can build a little house or something, right? You don't have to worry. No one's going to come. It hurts to see people drive by over and over and over again. And so you stop even giving people opportunities. You hide, right? They stop to help and you go, I'm fine. I remember doing that for a lady once I stopped she was had a couple kids with her and it was in the middle of a snowstorm right it was one of those bad Indiana winters she's broken down I said hey do you need help oh no no I got someone coming I'd already seen her there for I don't know how long why she could have been creeped out but also the other side is people were taught to not need people do you respect your leaders Have you encouraged your leaders? Have you encouraged your other pastors, whether it's here, because there's multiple, it's not just me, maybe it's other places. Have you taken even a second to say thank you? Because if you want to look for all the ways they're flawed, you're going to find them really easy. Guys, let's walk out of here with a renewed sense to jumpstart those around us, for real, not just talking. 
to love them and to comfort them, to bear with them and love them just like Jesus did. Let's not just talk, let's walk. And if you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus, then you need something that that I can't even give you. You need a whole new battery. Listen, the reality is that God made everything perfect. You know this. You've been here before. He made us perfect to rule in his image. He said, do what I tell you to do. Let me be the one who tells you right and wrong and we reject him. And so sin entered. That's that bad battery. And then all the symptoms that come out of that, the dead car, your emptiness, how alone you feel, your drug addictions, your alcohol addictions, your sex addictions, your porn addictions, your work addictions, all your addictions that you do to try to continually give yourself a new battery isn't going to work. Listen to me. I love you enough to tell you the truth. It won't work. Well, Todd, it's not fair. Why is he the only way? I don't know because he's the boss. He created it. He makes the rules. And God said this, just like a fish can't breathe on land, you can't exist healthy without God. So God said, listen, you want to be with me? You want a new battery? Then you got to be perfect. Can you do it? The answer is no. You already know that. So what happened is God had a plan. He came down, sent his son, Jesus Christ. He existed. He lived a perfect life. He showed us what it was like to live in the kingdom, what it's like to have a good battery, what healthy people do. And then he did something incredible. He died on the cross. By taking your old battery, your sin, your mistakes, your flaws, and he offers you his battery. Perfect. Perfect. And you'll live with him forever. On the third day, as he, after he died, he rose from the dead. Facts. You don't have to like it. You can think it's crazy. I don't care. You believe in a magical force called gravity that holds you on the ground. You already used to believe in stuff that don't make sense. So, Todd, how do I get that? The Bible says this. Guys, listen, you can come and listen to me every week and like what I say, but if you don't listen to this part, it, you're, you're dead. Because the rest is just noise. This is the important part. If you're in this room and you can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have put your faith in Jesus, what does that mean? It just means admitting, I'm tired of trying to run to things on my own to refill. God, I accept you, Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved period. It doesn't mean you don't got to get it all cleaned up first. You don't need to clean the car up. You don't have to get the engine looking good. You just have to come and get a new battery. And in order to do that, you got to admit that God is God and you are not. Are you tired of your life? Are you tired of the ways you've been living? Because I promise you this. It's the truth. So wherever you're at today, whether you want to focus on jump starting, whether you need a jump start, or whether you're honest, if you're completely honest, you don't just need, you don't have a low battery, you have a dead battery. Because the Bible says you're dead in your sins without Jesus. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in. Because if you do, you're choosing to. 